staying grateful uh, is how I probably would approach uh, staying inspired. That was eco-friendly fashion designer Hamilton Perkins, and this is Badass Creatives Episode 12. Hamilton Perkins launched his eco-friendly handbag company with a super successful Kickstarter campaign. They had a $10,000 goal and hit that goal in under a week's time. Then they had to hustle to get all of those bags manufactured and out to customers. And they only had about a six month window to make all of that happen. We dive deep into the tactics that he used to run a successful Kickstarter campaign, find manufacturers, get incredible press, and so much more. I think you're really going to find a lot of useful tidbits from this episode. So let's dive right in. Um, So before we dive in, do you want to kind of share a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of Hamilton Perkins Collection. We make bags and shirts out of recycled materials. We started with a Kickstarter campaign about 14 months ago, Uh, had a $10,000 goal. We hit the goal in under a week, had six-month lead time to deliver the product, Uh, spent some time competing in the business plan competition circuit here in Virginia. We won the Virginia Velocity Tour. Uh, It was a uh, pitch competition that was sponsored by the governor uh, of Virginia. We hosted a trunk show at Bloomingdale's last year and came back to Virginia and shipped out all of our uh, pre-orders out to customers and turned our web store on in early 2017. So uh, still kind of working on our manufacturing and still working on our web store, still working on uh, distribution. And uh, that kind of brings us up to the current where we are now. So uh, that's what we do. We, uh, we try to try to make beautiful products. That is an incredible whirlwind of a startup story. Um, so to touch base on the Kickstarter thing, because I think that's something that a lot of artists and creatives have either thought about or maybe not sure exactly how that goes. Can you walk us through like how you were able to have such an incredibly successful Kickstarter and some of the tactics that you used? Yeah, absolutely. I think with Kickstarter, the plan is try to have a plan before you go live. Uh, I spent you know, a good, no, a good amount of time really like honing the creative part of the project. So the photography, the uh, copywriting and, uh, you know, the video, like trying to really make sure that we had all the messaging that we wanted. And, you know, once, you know, and, and that was never going to end technically, but at a point I had to really switch into like a prospecting gear where I started reaching out to friends and family. So, excuse me, I would text message friends, family, colleagues. Uh, I would email anyone that really had emailed me uh, in the last year. And, you know, eventually I, you know, I just asked them, can I add you to my notification list when my project launches? You know, I have a new product. Um, You know, I want you to uh, consider buying it if you uh, think that it might add value. And, you know, this is the list. Let me know if I can add you when we launch. And, and after, uh, after the project went live, you know, it it was going to be very critical that we had all of the, you know, not majority, but 
you know, a good number of the pledges within the first like 48 to 72 hours. Um, we knew going in that Kickstarters really, uh, you know, they reward a, a project if you can go live and you can hit that goal, um, you know, in the first like say few days or in the week, first week, uh, then it starts to give more more momentum uh, and gives more organic reach on their platform. And, you know, fortunately we, we were, uh, we were connected to uh, their email list. So they, uh, they sent out an email blast about our project. We were uh, considered a project we love by Kickstarter, which, you know, that gave us like front page visibility and um, it all really started, I think with just preparation. Yeah. And it sounds like you really tapped into your existing networks. Cause I feel like I've heard people where they think Kickstarter is going to be this thing where they have no network, no people following them already. And they're suddenly going to use Kickstarter as a way to market their business. But it seems like you went the opposite direction with it. Exactly. Uh, to me, uh, to like in today's environment, because there's just so many projects, I felt that it was going to make more sense to bring a community to Kickstarter and then let Kickstarter kind of reward you for bringing a community to it. Um, it may have been earlier in, uh, you know, like back in the day, like you probably could have launched something on Kickstarter and like got that organic reach and didn't really need to bring a community. But I think the supply and demand of attention on Kickstarter is, you know, much different than it was probably when, you know, years ago when it was first getting started. And, I think that, you know, the forces that you're sort of competing with are like, you know, a lot of paid acquisition and kind of, uh, you know, like other hacks, you know, where people are sending traffic to landing pages or, uh, you know, running pay-per-click advertisement to, uh, you know, drive sales at a campaign. And, you know, we just weren't going to be in that position when we first launched. We started with zero. Um, you know, we really hustled, you know, we were able to scrape up enough to get a grant to get, you know, the initial funding that we needed to just like make a couple of assets to really like showcase. And, uh, you know, even still, it was like very shoestring budget for us. So, um, yeah, I, I think that today with Kickstarter being such a big platform, you know, largest for crowdfunding at the time, it was, uh, the largest, um, you know, that was going to, be the determining factor was I had to round up folks that, you know, possibly could be interested in what I was doing. And then uh, once we got uh, live, you know, they could actually buy our product. Nice. Um, So another thing that you touched on a little bit was this kind of dealing with getting started with manufacturing. And that also seems like a really daunting process if you've never done it before. And again, I think a lot of handmade makers maybe start out making stuff small batch by themselves. And at some point, maybe they think about bringing on a team or or going the manufacturing route. But I wouldn't even necessarily know where to start. And I think a lot of creatives wouldn't. Can you share more about how you figured out that process and kind of talk us through? Yeah, I think with my background, it's always been a numbers game. Um, You know, I felt that, you know, there would probably be a lot of no's, you know, because putting yourself in the position of a factory, uh, they normally are are set with supply and demand, uh, meaning they're at a capacity already, meaning that if their factory can run at 100%, they're probably, you know, at 
75 or 85 or 95 like there's you know maybe not 95 but like they're they're up there you know they're they're very um busy and uh, they don't want little clients you know they don't want a small client that, that would you know probably only be able to hit a minimum like they want a client that can make you know a, a 50 or 100,000 unit order you know and um it's just not realistic to really start there so um at the end of the day, there will be one person that, you know, will take a chance and say, Hey, you know, I don't want to be so top heavy with clients where all my clients are, you know, 500,000 or a million units at a time. Uh, I will take a chance on you and, and know that you will grow up with me. And, and at the end of the day, I want to diversify my business as a factory uh, official because I know that, you know, if I lose one client, you know, there goes a big chunk of my revenue, half of my revenue is gone just like that. So, um, you know, I kind of just like thought about it from a practical standpoint. I mean, I, I spent a little bit of time in project management and operations, um, you know, working at uh, Bank of America, actually. So believe it or not, I mean, we, we had some dealings in the manufacturing uh, kind of world, um, especially <clears throat> within the manufacturing of like uh, kind of credit cards and, you know, plastic, like just uh, like a lot of it was outsourced and third party, but it was still like, you know, we had a lot of uh, integration with the teams and, you know, like kind of ensuring deliveries. Like there was a lot of like interfacing back and forth. So I, I kind of pulled on that experience a bit. You know, we, I had taken some, uh, I took some like very basic Six Sigma uh, courses that, you know, dealt a lot with like, uh, you know, the, the, the process map and just layout, just, you know, kind of like educating myself, self-educating, um, you know, and uh, I think that background experience, wh whatever you have, I mean, you know, use it, you know, if you have like even some experience like running, you know, uh, I'm going to make an example, like, you know, even if you have an ex even if you have experience running a lemonade stand or, you know, some type of consignment, like you can apply that knowledge to uh, like anything, basically, you know, especially manufacturing. So seek, you know, seek help, you know, if, if you uh, if you really, you know, are completely lost. Um, I, I did solicit, uh, you know, a few professors of mine, um, you know, people that had already done it before a couple consultants here and there, but not, you know, nothing too crazy. You know, like I, I put a, I, I'm good for putting, I guess, a, um, like a floor or a timeline on things, you know, and my timeline typically is like, uh, you know, 40 hours, you know, 80 hours max, like one to two weeks of work. Like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna spend years like, you know, toiling over, you know, well, what should I do? Cause sometimes the best thing to do is to just take action and just like, just call a factory, just email them and just ask them, Hey, you know, could you, could you help us? Can you make samples? Can you, you know, can I come meet you? Can, uh, you know, what, what's your process like, you know, have you worked with companies like mine before, you know, just, just start calling up, uh, factories or emailing factories, asking questions, ask them to get on a call, get on Skype and, uh, you know, definitely go visit. Yeah. And one of your factories is in Haiti, correct? Did you choose that for yeah. a reason? Yeah, we did. You know, what we do is we source uh, with our partnership with Thread International recycled plastic and we turn it into uh, affordable designer bags. So that process was already happening on the ground in Haiti. So it only kind of made sense that we would have a manufacturing presence in Haiti and that we could contract there. So uh, this past June, 
um, we were able to go down and kind of meet the team and uh, walk the floors of the factory. We were able to walk the first mile of the supply chain where the plastic is sourced and, and where it is turned into uh, a flake or where it is turned into a bale where it can be turned into a fabric. So um, it is, you know, I think from a like logistic, uh, you know, standpoint, I, you know, it's close, uh, fairly close to, you know, where our headquarters is. We're here on the East Coast, um, you know, so we like that kind of, you know, like turnaround time. Um, and, you know, I, I think that uh, the the big discovery is like the, the artisan network in Haiti is very, uh, you know, extensive, very, very knowledgeable. You know, some of the world's, you know, greatest artisans are right in Haiti. So um, we wanted to be able to kind of tap the, the talent pool and kind of, uh, you know, still continue with our mission, uh, we'll still be able to support income opportunities where, uh, you know, they are needed. And uh, that's how, you know, the introduction was made. And you know, now we're, we're manufacturing in Haiti. That's really cool. Um, I know it's been a really busy hurricane season these last few weeks. Do you know if everybody down there in your factory and stuff is okay? I hope so. Yes, we've been in contact every day, basically. And I know that uh, it did go north of uh, the island for the most part. Um, it did not, uh, you know, impact, you know, like our operations down there, thankfully. And um, yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of hurricane, a lot of, you know, weather, but, you know, we try to, you know, try to press on as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, you're very involved in environmentalism because you're using recycled materials. What brought you to that? Was was there a specific reason that you personally were drawn to wanting to use recycled materials? Yeah, I think that today, if you're starting a company, you know, it's different than 100 years ago, right? Like, you have the internet, you have access, uh, you know, we have case studies of, you know, how things can uh, you know, actually have an impact. So, um, you know, I think it's almost like asking yourself, like, what is the point if you're not going to kind of have uh, a future that looks different? You know, we felt that we wanted to make something that the future would be different and we could make our, you know, our mark, you know, like, and by using sustainable materials or using like, you know, waste or old, uh, you know, things that are upcycled like that in itself um you know it's not necessarily like a popular thing you know like still a majority of what's manufactured or the industry is not really you know kind of like focused on that part of uh kind of the end of textiles or uh of making products that way you know and at the end of the day it kind of goes back to the consumer and what the consumer will uh will purchase you know we we still shop uh, you know, very much, you know, at the front of like, what's in it for us. And I think that for a long time, it just had not been, the story had not been told in a way that made it compelling. And I think in addition to that, um, you know, there's just like, so, so much, uh, like there's a deep, uh, like, uh, kind of connection or relationship to like branding over so many years with, uh, like bigger, uh, you know, firms in our market. So I think that, you know, it, it was a great white space for us to, you know, really execute on that and really to be able to grow into, you know, taking, uh, you know, materials that normally people wouldn't use. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's a design 
world. So it does make uh, for a good aesthetic. It does make for a unique experience because in our case, our bags are made out of plastic bottles uh, and then billboard vinyl. So no two bags are ever the same. And you still have, uh, you know, like the uniformity of uh, the product, the, the integrity of the product is still there. So uh, it, it all kind of came together like organically and uh, kind of fit within like what we wanted to do as a company. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways, um, sort of voting with your dollars in terms of what we buy and is it socially responsible? Is it eco-friendly is kind of an, a social justice issue because I think as climate change happens, it's going to affect certain communities disproportionately. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that when it comes to voting with your dollars, I mean, there, there is power in that. And, you know, I think it's equally probably in business that, you know, the, the company has to kind of make something that's desirable, you know, like, the company is responsible to make uh, the change or to be the change that, uh, you know, they want to see in the world. I mean, that's, you know, kind of the basic idea. Um, It's, you know, what we found is that it's just not enough to kind of like advocate or like to just say, um, you you know, you need to buy this because it's better, you know, like for the world, like it still needs to be a good product first and then it can be good for the world. So um, we're really thankful. Uh, you know, we got a certification from B Lab uh, last year as a B Corporation, which uh, kind of you know speaks to our commitments to uh, uh, just b- being a company that uh, takes into account more than just profit. And you know, we recently were awarded uh, as uh, one of the best companies for the world overall, which you know we're, we're pretty excited about that. Um, you know, but it, it, the, the core of it, I think kind of goes back to, we had to make a product in our category because we're in the fashion industry. We had to make a fashion product, an accessory that was beautiful and that, you know, would kind of captivate the imagination of, you know, uh, you know, our, our, um, our traveler or, um, you know, or our buyer, you know, whoever's coming in and really like kind of making sure that it was in their best interest. And, you know, then from there, um, we were able to do all, you know, then we can unlock all these other magical things that are kind of happening in the supply chain. Yeah. You mentioned the, the B Corp certification. Can you expand a little bit more about what that is and also the certification process that you had to go through? Yes. So B Corporations, there's probably about 2000 of them now. I think when we got certified, it was probably about 1500 worldwide and some popular ones are like Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Uh, Warby Parker is a B corporation. And the certification process is, you know, really about examining different facets of the business that, you know, n- may not necessarily show up on an income statement or on a balance sheet or cash flow statement. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, literally like an impact statement, I guess. Uh, you go in and you really, you examine, you know, uh, how your employees are treated, how is your supply chain meeting, you know, or how is your supply chain treated? Um, you know, what are you doing uh, in your community? What are you doing in other communities? And really kind of taking a holistic approach to uh, kind of walk in the walk, basically, for lack of better words, like, you know, there's it's kind of easy to put a, you know, a collection together and just say that it's, you know, it's, this is a collection that does great, you know, like you can say that, but like you have to kind of like ground it in something. So 
uh, that's really what B Lab as a nonprofit does, and uh, they are experts in the in the space, uh, coming from various backgrounds and uh, you know very uh, distinguished kind of positions within uh, like law and uh, you know just business and investments, uh, entrepreneurship. And so they kind of combine their experience, I think, as a team in a way that in our case, as a fashion company, like what we're trying to do best is like we're trying to be a fashion company first. And that's what we can do best. But like at the end of the day, if someone else is really good at something like what they're good at doing is really helping companies examine parts of their business, the entire business, and to really like communicate like that and to really measure it so that they can like improve on it. That's that's like their core competency. They're like that's what they're really awesome at. So for us, it you know makes sense to like partner with them or to you know be certified or to go through the process so that um, you know we can get better as a company. Awesome. Um, so you've gotten a lot of press. It seems like you're really good at outreach. Obviously, um, you you made that Kickstarter happen. You reached out to me actually about this podcast episode. Uh, but I noticed you've been featured in Fast Company and Forbes and Washington Post. How did you make all of that happen? Was it just the hustle or you know, any tactics you want to share? <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I think that for aware you know a company that is new to me like what it needs is it needs awareness you know like when we're coming out and we've got a new product excuse me it's a you know it's a cool product it's unique it's fun you know that there's audiences that you know this would potentially resonate with and the only way you're ever going to know is if you kind of you know reach out and ask and um it's just not enough to kind of have a great product and just like hope that you know someone will reach out to you eventually like I would say yes we do get that but at the end of the day I think um you you know it's very like a proactive uh process you know you you should find the publications that uh you you admire you know the writing that you actually follow like something that you know means something to you uh you know so to your point I mean I've you know really you know, a lot of times, I guess, when I'm looking up information or uh, just looking for news, I mean, Forbes is like a place where I just actually go, you know, and it makes sense to like reach out to them and just, you know, come from like a place of like, I guess, uh, maybe authenticity is the word. Uh, Maybe it's not. I mean, you just need to come from a place of like, you know, practicality, maybe just say, look, like, you know, I'm a reader, you know, this is what I want to, you know, I want to show you uh, an idea, you know, this is what makes the idea different. Uh, if you're interested, let us know. Like, it's really a very like basic process. It's not, uh, y- you know, I, I think that, uh, it's very, you know, it is time consuming. Um, you know, it, it is not gonna, it's not gonna happen like overnight, you know, <laughs> like it's not going to be, uh, you know, a week or a couple weeks and then, then you're there. And, and unless you, you have a, uh, you know, a different kind of, talent and you're you know maybe you're in a a circle of uh influence you know i I mean where i come from i mean i come from a uh you know i I come from virginia you know i'm I'm not you know there's not many like uh now we have gotten lots of regional press here but we we don't have like you know kind of fashion like you know kind of like international business like we don't have that here um you know this is a this is a military area uh you know this is you know, the jobs here, are like shipbuilding or ship repair, like, 
um, government, you know, so like we're, we're absolutely an outlier. So I think the thing that you can take away from that is like uh, imagination and creativity because you don't have it. You can come up with different ideas and you can pitch those ideas in a way that maybe it does stand out because maybe they're so used to being bombarded with the same ideas or the same stories because everyone's thinking the same way, you know? So I think whatever your, whatever your strength is, um, use it. You know, if you, if you're, you know, like if you're fancy and you run in that circle, you know, leverage that, you know, use it. If you're not, uh, leverage what you have. You have creativity, you have time on your hands, you have imagination, use that. Nice. Well, I always like to wrap up the episode with a handful of quick fire questions. So first up, if you are feeling uninspired or uncreative, what do you do to kind of reignite your creative juices? (laughs) Is it okay if I don't have that feeling? Because I feel like I'm always and I'm always feeling creative. Uh, I may not always have as much like time to do all the creative things that I want to do because um, I am running the company. I am the CEO of the company. So I have other responsibilities than design or, uh, you know, photography. Like I have to do other things. Uh, But as far as inspired, I stay inspired because, you know, it's, it's no guarantee, you know, there's no, uh, it doesn't have to be this way, I guess, for me, like, I don't have to have, um, you know, simple things like the internet, you know, without the internet, you know, there would be not, there really wouldn't be as much progress in our company, you know, there would be probably no company. I mean, we'd be like in one city, you know, talking locally to, you know, only the people that were on our block or something like, I think that, uh, you know, taking, taking, you know, staying grateful, uh, is how I probably, would approach uh, staying inspired and uh, staying creative as well. Yeah. I think staying grateful is a really, really great attitude. Um, name a fellow favorite creative or someone doing badass things that we should all know about. Ah, someone that you should know about. I would probably say, you know, and probably just like a, from a, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, there's so many different people. I mean, I think like around what Elon Musk has done, you know, and I don't know, you know, from a creative standpoint, how much input he's putting into it. But I think just like, just reimagining like how we're, uh, you know, just how, how we live, how we, how we transport sustainable transport, like all, all the things that they're accomplishing with Tesla and SpaceX, I think is just, you know, at the highest levels to me, I think, uh, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's a really great website called wait, but why, and they did um, a really in-depth series of interviews with him about SpaceX and Tesla and just kind of the way his brain works. And it's really, really good. If you haven't already checked it out, you should, um, what, creative tools can't you live without? It could be like a physical tool. It could be digital stuff that you use to get your job done. Yeah, I, I think all the basics, um, I, I really need my phone. You know, I, I think I could get away without having my laptop possibly, but I I really, I don't think I could do anything without my phone. Yeah. We are hardwired to need those these days. Do you have any favorite podcast or music that you like to listen to? When I get a chance, I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of checking out, you know, SoundCloud for music. Um, I'm trying to think, 
Um, I've been I've been checking out Billy Mercury. Um, he's a like an artist that's here in our area. Uh, you know, really cool project he's been working on. Um, I've been following uh, who else? Are, who else am I listening to? Um, you know, pretty much like any any artist that's like here in Virginia. I'm basically like following and like listening to. So like, uh, there's an artist drum. There's uh, Gabe, uh, Sonny and Gabe. Uh, Masego, uh, I pretty much listen to like probably most of that, like because I, I hear it a lot. You know, it's they they get shown a lot of love here. Nice. Uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think to just, I think my younger self, I felt like I just made the best decisions I could have made at that point in time, but um. I think that I probably would have just worked even harder sooner. Um, excuse me. I feel like I, I started working harder a little bit later. Um, and, you know, I'm talking about like, not like a 40 hour work week, but like an 80 hour work week. Like I think I would have probably really recognized the truth in, okay, if you work smart and hard, you will have, uh, you know, two years of experience under your belt, you know, for this like one year of like experience and work that you put in, I think I would have probably started with that philosophy a little bit sooner. I feel like I, I kind of just, you know, in my younger years, I could have probably put in even more work and uh, you know, that would have, you know, kind of laid even more like uh, I guess like groundwork or foundation for what, what I do today. But you know, you never can really, I've never wanted to go back and like try to, you know, say what I would have done or should have done. I just try to try to try to just do the best that you can at all points in time. And you know, that that's the right decision for me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, so can you just remind the listeners where they can find you online? You can find us online at hamiltonperkins.com. We make bags and shirts there out of recycled materials. If you enter badass creatives, you will get a, ten dollar uh off your first purchase and we love to have you try out our stuff so uh, thank you again for the opportunity great well thank you so much and thanks for that discount code for the listeners i really appreciate that I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed chatting with Hamilton. And thank you so much, Hamilton, for offering that discount code for our listeners. That will be in the show notes over at badasscreatives.com, as always. You can also head over there and shoot me a comment via the contact form. Let me know what you think of the episode. Let me know any questions you might want me to answer in a future episode. And please, as always, head over to iTunes or wherever you listen and please leave a rating and review because it really does help more people discover this podcast. You can also check me out on Instagram, Badass Creatives. You can find my personal Instagram at Miss underscore Malaprop as well. But if you use that hashtag Badass Creative, that's where I find what you are working on. And I always like to share and regram what the community is doing each week. So check it out. Uh, I will also be speaking at Venture Pop Conference here in a couple weeks. I was just working on my presentation for that yesterday and sent it off. 
so that they have all of it now. It's going to be on the power of Pinterest, my favorite visual search engine. So if you are anywhere near New Orleans or just need a last minute excuse for a getaway, come visit us and hang out at Venture Pop Conference. That's September 30th and October 1st, 2017. It's going to be at the New Orleans Museum of Art, which is a beautiful, beautiful venue. So I hope that you can join us. That link will also be in the show notes, or you can check them out at VenturePopConference.com. And, you know, let me know what you think of the podcast. We are 12 weeks in so far, and I've got a lot of ideas of my own, but I really want to make sure that I am sharing what is helpful to you. So let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear in the future, and I will always take that into consideration. Thanks to Eric Laws and Morella and the Wheels of If for our theme music. You can check them out at morellamusic.com. I will see you next week.